the psalmist said, who, who is man that you are mindful of him? Have you ever thought about that? The creator of the universe, our creator. Who are we that we are mind, that God is mindful of us? Why, why in our minuscule part in the universe does God pay attention to us? Well, there's one answer to that question. Because he adores us. He adores us. He loves us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, there's a big difference between knowing about God, knowing about God. I heard a story recently about a, um, a man that was trained in theology, years of college experience and, and studies and, and all these things. And he was supposed to go to this place and, and to teach these other lay people, people that were not so trained and and things like that. And they were coming to learn from him and he taught them for a few minutes on the, you know, the different meanings of these words and the the definitions and and, uh, the etymology of the words, where the words came from and and all these things, you know. And and then he spoke for a few minutes on, on God, you know, and what the meaning of God was and who God was and these things. And and one of the people that was there, just a simple man, some of these people were farmers and, you know, just regular average Joes, as it were. And he asked this, this theologian, man, he says, do you know God? And the man thought for a minute, he says, well, I don't have an answer to that question. I don't have an answer to that question. Well, how can you not answer, do you know God? Well, Many people think they know God, but really, when it comes down to it, they know about God. They know about God. I've heard about God. I've, I've heard about church, and, and I've even been to church and, and, and these things, but there's, they're missing something. And the Bible talks about in the last days that there will be a form of godliness, the Bible says in Revelation, but denying its power. So it's going to look like what we think religion ought to look like. It's going to sound like it. we're going to hear those buzzwords, you know, lead me and, and uh, you know, all those uh, Christian language um, words, you know, what do they call it? The vernacular, right? Um, words that have, that are related to the topic, you know, that you only hear really when you're talking about God, so to speak, and um, those kinds of things. But there's a difference. There is a major difference between knowing about God and knowing Him personally. Personally. Yes, He is our Creator, but He is the Savior of our souls. He He put in, plan, in, in motion the plan of salvation. And in a, a few months, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. Can you believe that? Some stores actually have their Christmas stuff out right now. 
We're going to ignore that. <laughs> My wife would have Christmas every day of the year. The th- I wouldn't mind that so much, except for along with that comes Christmas music. Ugh. We'll just leave that right there. I'd get myself in trouble. Be fixing my own lunch. <laughs> but you know, we're going to be celebrating Christmas in a, in a few months, handful of months. And we celebrate the birth of Jesus because that's just so important. You know, it's not about giving gifts. It's not about Santa Claus and, and all of these things. And, and um, boy, I timed that just right. My wife just walked back in. but we're celebrating the birth of the savior the long-awaited one the messiah and through him comes the plan of salvation because jesus lived a sinless life a sinless life 33 and a half years he lived and he brought the message of repentance and salvation through the cross. And you see the difference between knowing about God and knowing God is really the relationship part of things. Some of us sitting here today know about church. Maybe we've attended church most of our lives. I have friends that they went through church school and they went through church as an adult and now it's just like, I've had so much church, I don't want it anymore. Well, that tells me one thing. That tells me one thing, that you have not had an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's what that says, okay? Because when you've had an encounter with the King of Kings the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the lover of your soul, the Messiah, the Savior. When you've had an encounter with him, nothing stays the same. Nothing stays the same. And it's not about church anymore. It's not about religion. It's not about this or that, all the Christian buzzwords, right? It's not about that. What it's about is Jesus. <laughs> it's about Jesus. And when you, when you experience that, and that's really what it is, you experience him. When you experience him, something changes inside. Something changes. And there is a love that begins to grow. And at first... Maybe, maybe you felt this way before. First, there was like this, you, you could feel something going on, but you don't recognize what that feeling is, right? And you're not really sure what that's all about. You know, you're, you, you feel something and it feels good, but it's kind of making you nervous a little bit because you feel like it's demanding a response. And it is. It is. An encounter with Jesus Christ demands a response. And there inside of us becomes a battle that begins to rage. And the battle is between our old self and the one that God wants us to be. Between fear 
and reward. And so in our chest, we we feel this battle that's going on, and we feel like God is moving, and maybe we're seeing some things that we've never seen before. We, we, we see people moving around the sanctuary sometimes to, to go pray for people, and maybe some of the new folks are like, what? Hey, hey, keep that over on that side. I'm not big into that, you know. And we get it. That's cool, you know. We understand that, and it kind of makes you a little nervous. That's all right. We understand that. But when a family member is hurting, the other family members flock around that family member. And they say, we're here for you. We love you. We feel your pain. We want to stand with you. And if you're wondering what's going on in those times, that's what's going on. Brothers and sisters and friends are standing together, maybe at the altar or maybe in the uh, seating in the congregation. Sometimes people are not even able to get to the altar, and so their friends and family will come and surround them and say, we're here for you. We understand. We see what you're going through. We love you so much. Don't give up. (laughs) That's what's going on. When you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world, something changes inside of you. And so sometimes we sit there week after week and we're like, I remember my dad telling me when he received Jesus for the first time, it was up in Buffalo, and he was at, uh, Tommy Reed was the pastor, I believe, uh, up in Buffalo there, and my dad had gone at my grandfather's prodding. I don't know if you remember Grandpa Peters um, came here for a long time. And my dad told me that he would grip the back of the chair as he's standing there trying to hold on for all he's worth to keep himself from going forward. And and his spirit inside of him is, is responding to the beckoning of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I mean? The Holy Spirit of God calls us toward him. The Bible says to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God wants us to be near to him. That's his father's heart. And when we sin, it separates us from him. And his heart breaks because he's provided the way to salvation for us. And all that we need to do is receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And the work that was done on the cross washes our sin away. And so he beckons us by his Holy Spirit, come, my child, come to me. Leave it all at my feet. Come and lay your burdens down at the cross. Don't strive anymore. You don't need to strive and work, work so hard to achieve salvation. It's all been done for you. All that you need to do is to receive it, to respond. And so in in our hearts and in our spirits, we feel that beckoning and and we do our best to resist, don't we? We, We're worried about what other people are going to say. We're worried about what our response is going to be. We've never been there before, maybe. And so that battle wages on, sometimes week after week, sometimes month after month, sometimes year after year. 
And that time goes on, and it passes by, and we remain far away from God when all the while he's calling us, beckoning us, sinner, come home. Come home to me. And I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. And this godly man had, two, had some sons, you know, and, and the one said, Father, I want my inheritance right now. I want my inheritance right now. Well, you're supposed to wait till I die. Hello. <laughs> but the father gave him his inheritance. And what does it say? He went off and he wasted it. He spent it on, on wild living and, and women and, and the like, just that crazy life. Maybe some of you lived that life. Maybe some of you right now are living that life. Well, this son, this prodigal son as we call him, went and he spent all that he had, all of his father's inheritance, all that his father had worked for all his life in an effort to be able to hand something special down to his son. And his son used it all up and it's all gone and he's got nothing to show for it. And he, he goes and he, he hires himself out, the story says, to a, a pig farmer. And so he's taking care of pigs. Now, mind you, this Jewish young man, pigs are repulsive. They are, they are yucky to, the, to these Jewish people, and they're not supposed to touch them or be near them because they're so filthy. And yet, this man, because of his decisions, how many of you know because of the decisions that we make in life determines the consequences? Yeah? Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, there is destruction. I'm going to go this way. What do you think he was thinking when he got a hold of all that money? Oh my gosh, wow, what am I going to do with this? I'm going to buy me a hot car, I'm going to go buy me a whatever and this, and I'm going to have me a great time, and pretty soon, a matter of a short time goes by, and he's got nothing left, nothing left, and he's hungry, and he's beginning to starve. So he hires himself out to this pig farmer and he's taking care of the most detestable thing that is even around him, the most detestable thing. And here he is feeding them. So he's actually, in a sense, become the slave to a pig. Do you understand that? He is so far down that he's looking up to see the bottom. Yeah? Okay. And he's hoping that somebody on this farm is going to give him something. And it said when he was feeding the pigs the pods and all the junk that's left over, um, he was hoping he wanted to eat some of their food. He was so hungry. But the Bible says no one gave him anything. And he began to starve. And he, real, he came to his senses and he says, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough? My father takes care of them. They live well because they work hard and my father cares for them. I will go back to the house of my father and I will ask forgiveness. I will bow down my knee before him and I'll say, Father, don't even consider me your son anymore. Take me on as one of your servants. 
I'm not worthy to be your son anymore after the decisions I've made and the way I've squandered your wealth. And so he makes that decision, the first decision that he's made that is wise in quite a while, mind you, okay? And so he makes the way back to his father, and it says that when his father sees him from a long way off, so do you think that that father was watching for his boy? For his child, you better believe it. You think every day he didn't check the horizon in the distance to see if his long-lost child was on his way home. Had God heard his prayers? Many, many of you sitting here today are saying prayers for your children because they've wandered away from the truth. And the father looks up one more time and he sees off in the distance. Could it be? No. It is. It's him. My boy is coming home, everybody. My boy, there he is. And what is it? He waits for him to get there, right? No way. (laughs) He runs out there and he just wraps his arms around his boy. Can you picture this in your head? This this boy that had made bad decisions. How many of you have made bad decisions before in your life? How many of you have prayed for a second chance to maybe do some stuff over? Maybe you hope for there's maybe that big red do-over button or redo. You wish you could hammer on that thing a few times maybe. I wish I could do some things different. Well, here comes his boy. And he runs out there and he throws himself around his boy. And he's kissing him on the cheek. Oh, my boy, you've come home. And he says, Father, don't even, don't even treat me as your son. I'm not worth it anymore. I'm, I'm low life. I've been working with the pigs. I stink. Look at me. I've spent everything. I've, I've lost it all. And the father raises him up. Can you just, can you just picture this? He raises him up to his feet and he grabs him by the face. Can, can you just imagine what this might, might be like, right? All right these, these things are not obviously in the Bible, but you can envision what that might be like. He just kind of grabs him around the, the, the face, you know, my son. Today, my, my son was gone. He was dead to me. Now he is alive. You will not be my servant ever. You're my boy. You're my boy. Come on. We're going to celebrate. And celebrate they did. They celebrated. And they killed a fattened calf, something that they had, they would feed this calf and, and fatten it up for these great big meals and feasts and whatnot. And, and the whole family had a big, big dinner. The brother didn't take too kindly to that. You know, Right? The brother was a little bit miffed, to say the least, that this brother that had wasted all of his father's wealth comes back, and he doesn't even get punished for what he did. He doesn't even get punished. And here am I. I've been working the land. I've been working for you all of my life and always been devoted to you, and you've never even given me anything to celebrate with my friends. And the father says, my son... You are my boy. Everything that I have is yours. And I appreciate all the work that you have done. You've been a great help to me. 
and our family. But it is right to celebrate that your brother has come, come home because he, he was dead and now he lives. He lives. And friends, that is the way the Lord looks at us. The way that he looks at us and he's beckoning us, sinner, come home. Sinner, come home. Come home. And we, we would stand there and yet try to hold ourselves from coming and, and bowing down to him for fear. We don't know what that's going to be like. What, what are people going to say? What are my friends going to say? Who cares? Amen. Who cares, really? In the scope of things, what you're getting is far beyond what you're risking. Sinner, come home. God is calling you. It's no accident, friends, that you're here. And you know what? If I may say this, sometimes things happen in our lives that would cause us to say, maybe God doesn't care. When our prayers don't get answered the way we want them to. Some of you here have been praying for someone to love or to love you for years and years and years, and yet every night you sit home alone. Do you know that I pray for you? I pray for you. That's hard. That's hard. And I've known people that have been in that very place in, in several different things because the thing that they're praying for does not come to realization in the timing that they want it or the way that they want it. And so they trade the truth, in a sense. They trade trusting in God for making things happen on their own. And maybe you've known friends or family members like that and they begin to walk away from the path that God has for us. They walk away from obedience to get what they want. And it's dangerous. And I've seen people that have been raised uh, in Christian people, spirit-filled Christian people, dear friends to me, nearly family. And they trade it all they give everything away just for this chance at love. The next thing you know, we don't see them. Next thing you know, we find out they're dating someone that is on drugs. Pretty soon, they're on drugs. Pretty soon, they're in and out of jail. Pretty soon, they've lost their car. Had to buy another one. They lost that car. They're addicted to drugs. They're spending their money now on drugs. And they're enveloped in this life that they never thought ever in their lives that they would find themselves. And that's kind of the way it is. We trade trusting in God for making things happen ourselves. And I'm all for 
we got to do our part, right? We can't just sit by and expect God to do everything because God does expect us to do things. But we have to do that within his laws. We have to walk in obedience. We have to follow where he is leading, amen? Amen. Okay? And so God is calling us, my child, this way, this way, come this way. Because when you're with me, there's blessing. When you're with me, there's safety. When you're with me, there is fulfillment. There's fulfillment. You can trust me with the things that are most important to you. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, For I know in whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. Until that day. We can trust God with our most important and vulnerable feelings. Do you know that? I wonder if there's something that you have been hoping and praying for and dreaming of all of your life that has gone without realization. And you're almost to the point now to where you're ready to say, I've had it. I've had it. I'm not waiting for you anymore. Don't do it. I'm not sure why God is having me speak this today because I didn't plan on speaking this. But I think that somebody here, maybe more than one, needs to hear these very things. Don't do it. Don't walk away. It'll be the worst decision you have ever made in your life. Hold fast. Stay the course, friends. Stay the course. Keep your eye. Keep your eye on the Savior. Keep your eye on the Savior. Peter stepped out of that boat because he wanted to go where Jesus was, on the water. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus maybe gave a little chuckle. All right, come on, Peter. Come on. Dark of night, storm raging wild. They're afraid they're going to drown. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on. And Jesus waits. And Peter steps out of the boat like this. And he's, he's looking at the water and he's looking at Jesus. And then he, his eyes fixed on Jesus and he takes that first step. And he's out of the boat. And he's walking on the water, the Bible says. God wants us to believe that. I remember one time as a young man, maybe you've done this too, we had a, an in-ground pool and, uh, that my dad had built. And I remember closing my eyes and seeing if I could walk on water. I didn't do too well. <laughs> I, did. I wanted to see if I could do it. And so Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter was walking towards the Lord on the water. And then the wind and the waves began to crash over him. And it took his eyes off of the Lord. And pretty soon he went down into the water and he began to drown. And he cried out to the Lord and the Lord says, you have little faith. Come on, come on. Someday. (laughs) Someday maybe. Friends, God is calling you. 
God is calling you. And I don't, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian all of your life or most of your life or if you're here today and you've never become a Christian. Maybe you've never invited Christ Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Because we all have to come to that same place to where we say, okay, I'm removing myself from the driver's seat of my life. Are you following me? I'm removing myself from the driver's seat of my life and I'll, I'll, be, the, I'll be the co-pilot. I'm going to let you drive. And so we give the reins, the steering wheel to Jesus Christ and we allow him to lead us to where he wants us to be. And so today, we have the opportunity to come and leave it all at the feet of Jesus and we can say to him, I've tried myself. I've tried it my way. And we've all heard that song, I did it my way, right? And it sounds great and, and the words are wonderful, and, but yeah, you try it your way, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And sin feels great for a while, but it catches up to you. Sin will always catch up to you. But the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ is always there, waiting at every corner. Come this way. Come this way. I want to bless you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. God's got plans for you. Do you know that? God's got plans for you. We're not just walking around this planet barely surviving. God has plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Don't give up. Don't stray from the truth that you have been taught. Walk in it. Trust God. Renew your strength. Strengthen your, your weak knees. Stand up and commit yourself again to the truth of God's Word. Amen. Commit yourself again to the Savior. And for those of us here who have never done that very thing, who have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that today is the day for salvation. Now is the appointed time. Don't wait. Bill, can I have you come to the keyboard? Would you stand with me today? You've heard me say this before, and it certainly is worth repeating. We're not guaranteed another day. We talked last week about 9-11. Was it last week? Yeah. 9-11 and how all those people, 3,000 people, nearly 3,000 people died in a matter of hours. I wonder, had they made themselves right with the Lord? I wonder if they had taken time to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I wonder how many times if they had sat in a church just like this with the same opportunity and they told themselves, I'll do that later. I've got too much living to do. And you know what? It's not as though God is trying to rob us of our freedoms. 
The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Bible says that, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's, you, that's like overused today for a whole lot of different things, but the truth that the Bible's talking about is the truth of Jesus Christ. The good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so today, we present to you the gospel. The gospel means good news. Well, good news about what? A new store opening? A big sale that's going on? No. The good news about Jesus Christ. The good news about salvation. The good news that there is hope for us through Christ Jesus our Lord. What will you do with Jesus? What have you done? Friends, I counsel you and and I beg of you, don't wait for another time. A few years ago, we had a men's dinner. And there was a man that had come. Never seen him before. He came only one time. And the Lord had me give a salvation message that day. That man received the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next day, I think it was the next day or a couple days after he died. He received the Lord two or three days before he died. I don't say these things to scare you. I say these things to make you think. If I scare you into making a decision, that's not helping you. It's not helping anyone, okay? All I'm doing is stating the facts to cause you to think that, yes, you have an opportunity. What have you done with it? Okay? We, not, we may not see each other again. I don't know. I hope we do. I hope we do. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you know what? It doesn't take a 12-step program. You don't have to go through all these college courses. You don't have to sign a piece of paper or something like that. You just got to say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And so as we're singing this song tonight, today. Why don't you come forward? If God's speaking in your heart, don't wait. You're among family here. We're family. I promise you won't be alone. Will you come as we sing this song?
let's um I want to pray a prayer here because I know in my heart that God is working in some lives here today and so I want to provide you an opportunity to receive Jesus right where you are and to ask him to come and be Lord of your life and to ask him for help and so I'm going to pray a prayer and you can repeat after me and you can say what I say as a prayer meaning these things from your heart Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I need you. I know that I am a sinner, that I have sinned and disobeyed you. I recognize my need for you today. And so right here and right now, I confess to you my love, my devotion. Come into my life. Wash me clean. Stand me on my feet again. And help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's as simple as it is, friends. That's as simple as it is. God wanted to speak to somebody here today. God wanted to speak to somebody. And so I pray that if you made that decision, maybe you made that decision for the first time, if you can come up and tell me before you leave, I'd just like to pray with you just for a moment. I won't take long, I promise. I pray that when you leave this place, that the Spirit of God empowers you, enables you to live for Him and to shine the light of his love into a dark place, friends, into a dark world. Your friends, your family, they need it. Who can you bring to church next week? I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless you.